Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Who do we hold accountable for the killing of so many people, for war crimes, for crimes against humanity, and how do we bring them to justice? That was an excerpt from a war crimes tribunal that has been established to determine the culpability of U.S. weapons manufacturers with regard to war crimes. And you will hear more from this first session. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth, and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. We're members of Veterans for Peace. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This radio show and podcast is on stations across the country thanks to the Pacifica Radio Network. We're also on SoundCloud, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, and your phone podcast app. Just search Veterans for Peace. The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by you, the listener, because it is you that keeps Radio Free Nashville going. And as a result, this radio show is then picked up by the Pacifica Radio Network so that we are heard across the country. So if you think it, this is important, just go to RadioFreeNashville.org and click on the Donate button and keep Harvey and I on the air in every time zone in the U.S. And if you support the work of Veterans for Peace, go to our site, VeteransforPeace.org, and click on the Donate button there also. And I want to share some news. Uh, Jerry Condon, friend of the show, is in Egypt trying to get into Gaza with a delegation of activists and academics to try and bring uh, a ceasefire and some humanitarian aid. That's one thing. Also, Veterans for Peace has issued a statement in support of Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who was recently censured for calling for a ceasefire and for support for the Palestinians that are under this genocide. How else can you say it? So stay tuned. Now, on with the rest of the show. Harvey, there is a war crimes tribunal that has been established, and it had its first session last Sunday night. I want to let people know you can you can find the whole thing at the website merchantsofdeath.org merchants of death all one word dot org i i was very impressed with the overall uh, program because it was pretty riveting i thought the moderator and the narrators were all very good in how they presented the information i think it's interesting that they're choosing to focus on these four u.s corporations who are the major suppliers of these death-dealing weapons, you know, it's just hard because we're seeing so much right now from Gaza, and this is just like another layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you understand, they, they did give a lot of information about the Israeli military, which I didn't understand just how extensive their weaponry is and their F-16s and their F-35s and all this yeah, the number of planes they've got is yeah, just mind-boggling. Yeah, mind-boggling. And I, I guess they're, you know, they're really focusing on the corporate culpability. You know, you can't separate that from the culpability of the political establishment, who is basically owned by these military industrial corporations. Yeah, but that, we still vote for them. We vote for them, right. But just the notion of voting 
choosing someone to vote for is a bit of a illusion because literally all of them owned by these donors. And the few that are not owned by the corporations, they're marginalized or considered repugnant when they get out and call for a ceasefire. I mean, and I felt the same way you did. Well, first of all, what surprised me was I did not know there was a war crimes tribunal after World War II that went after German corporations. Corporations, yes, I know. So there's precedent for this war crimes tribunal going after our current weapons manufacturers. But when you hear about all of what our weapons manufacturers are doing and have done, what really impressed me is they didn't focus much on what is going on today in Gaza. Mm. They talked about what went on 2008, 2009 with all the weapons Mm -hmm. that we gave them then as far as an example of what Israel is capable of and what using our weapons. Mm -hmm. And so what concerned me is you and I both feel that we were complicit in the death of millions based on our service in Vietnam. Well, this will show that the whole United States population, and I'll just throw it to everybody, we are complicit in what is going on in Gaza right now. These weapons manufacturers are right here, are right in the United States. And like you said before, they have their thumb on the politicians, but we do elect the politicians. I know our elections are manipulated, but still, when history is looked at, the United States as a country is going to be complicit, however this ends up. Something will happen along the way, whether it's next year or next century or next millennium. And if there is history, we're going to be complicit. The United States is going to be every bit as complicit as Italy was with Germany in World War II, as Japan and Germany in World War II. We're going to be one of those countries that is vilified because we made this possible in Gaza right now. Yeah, I, I think it's more than being complicit. It's, it's We are literally uh, an actor, you know, a partner with what's happening with these war crimes. And I don't think it's going to take the history books to to uh, put the onus on us. The world world opinion right now, aghast at what the United States is enabling Israel to do. And it's like, oh, that's not enough. Let's send them more and more. But we wish they didn't kill so many civilians. Here's another $14 billion to do whatever you want with. And, and people see through that completely. Yeah. Yep. We don't like it, but we're not going to tell you you have to stop. I've got an abridged version of the uh, War Crimes Tribunal, and it'll be the, the narrator does a really good job, and I'll let him introduce. But Nick Moturn, Veterans for Peace, he has a good segment, and then they have videos which have great narration. And so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna let you let the audience listen to that. Okay. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the opening session of the Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal. My name is Brad Wolf. I am one of the coordinators of this tribunal. I am the executive director of Peace Action Network of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
I am also a lawyer and a former prosecutor. We come together tonight during especially difficult times. Our subject tonight and in the weeks ahead is serious, but our resolve is firm. That so many of you have joined us tonight <clears throat> confirms our belief that information, that knowledge, combined with nonviolent direct action can change the course of history. We have over 1,700 people registered for this evening's session, coming from all across the globe. This opening session will be recorded and made available to all of you who registered, and we ask you to share that widely. We ask you to share all subsequent video links you receive from us widely. Information is power. We want to thank World Beyond War for hosting tonight's opening session and for being such a committed partner throughout this project. David Swanson and Greta Zaro have been instrumental in helping bring this tribunal to all of you. All of our organization partners, over 25 of them, are listed on our website at merchantsofdeath.org. For the past two years, Kathy Kelly, Nick Modern, and myself, along with a team of investigators, writers, film editors, and lawyers, have been gathering evidence to prove the guilt of four United States weapons manufacturers for aiding and abetting in the commission of crimes against humanity and war crimes, as defined by the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. The four defendants are Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, now known as RTX, and the drone maker, General Atomics. These four weapons manufacturers are representative of the entire U.S. war industry. Last Wednesday, November 8th, six of us were arrested outside Raytheon Technologies in Arlington, Virginia. It was during a peaceful protest calling on Raytheon once again to respond to our allegations. We were charged with a first-degree misdemeanor of trespass, arraigned, and ordered to appear for trial. We urge all of you to consider nonviolent action as an effective method of ending militarism and endless war. In every community, there is a weapons maker. In every community, a merchant of death. The information we are presenting is meant to inform and to motivate. The evidence presented to the jurors of this tribunal and to all of you, will be in the form of video documentaries, which not only provide the facts, but tell the story through the eyes of the victims. They will be made freely available to all groups, high schools, universities, church groups, social justice gatherings, and community organizations. Some of the areas this tribunal will examine are Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, and Gaza. We will provide evidence on the complicity of lobbyists, think tanks, and the media. Tonight, we will present the first video segment of the tribunal, which is about the repeated aerial bombardments of Gaza. Each week hereafter, you will receive an email from us with a link to the next video segment of the tribunal. Create viewing events in your community. Form your own discussion groups. The emailing of videos to all of you will last approximately four months. During that time, we will have periodic live stream meetups, inviting you to participate with us in discussing the evidence we've presented and just as importantly, to discuss actions you would like to take in your community. 
We want to serve as a resource for all of you to take action. The first meetup session will be three weeks from tonight, Sunday, December 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You will receive an email invitation to the meetup on December 3rd and all subsequent meetups. We will now show a brief 10-minute video we created that outlines the work this tribunal has done, defining what a People's Tribunal is, and making clear why a tribunal is needed now against these defendants. Nick Modern will then speak to you briefly about the origins of the tribunal. We then will proceed to the video evidence of Gaza. The consequences of war are chillingly clear, suffering, death, and destruction. This is so often inflicted on civilian populations who have no true involvement in the conflict at hand. What is it that drives such state-sanctioned cruelty against others? What would be the cause of such inhumanity? Any militaristic response to a situation, I think it's a form of spiritual decay. It's a form of moral decrepitude. Cornell West. And we have to bring a spiritual and moral, not just a critique, but a witness. We have to intervene. We have to do something about it. That's part of the great legacy of, of Dorothy Day and uh, Rabbi Heshel and Martin Luther King Jr., that they recognize that this was a cancer. Uh, militarism is a cancer, and it can't be simply talked about. You actually have to attempt to do something about it. In the United States of today, a country perpetually at war for the last 75 years, American citizens are subjected to extraordinary manipulation to pay for and condone wars of choice, with vulnerable non-combatants paying the deadly price. The United States is a corporate state where big business has captured our executive, legislative, and judicial branches of power, as well as our national media. In general, with some exceptions, the major U.S. media outlets, by which I mean the Norman Solomon uh, media organizations and corporations that reach every day tens and into the hundreds of millions of Americans, they're owned by and advertised uh, on major uh, corporate sources advertisers and there is also a often uh, revolving door relationship uh, between the boards of directors of military contractors and large uh, media outlets such as the big uh, tv networks and so forth and also the major advertisers and so this is not a conspiracy issue it's something much deeper than that it's a uh, structural uh, relationship that exists between the largest, most powerful, most influential media outlets and what we could call the war industries. Tremendous amounts of profits being made on an ongoing basis by media outlets, the big ones, and also, of course, by the Pentagon military contractors, what has most recently been called the military-industrial intelligence media complex. Corporate America is corporate tyranny. Every facet of our lives is dictated and influenced by their enormous power. Our food, our medical care, our courts, our colleges and universities, our work and our social lives. Most frightfully, 
corporations have seized control of our country's war-making power, a power that is meant to be in the hands of the people through Congress. Instead, corporate elites seek to enrich themselves and their shareholders by fomenting needless wars across the globe. In the face of such tremendous power, what can a citizen do? Do we have a responsibility to act? When bombs are dropped with our tax dollars and in the name of our country, are we compelled to respond? Who do we hold accountable for the killing of so many people, for war crimes, for crimes against humanity, and how do we bring them to justice? The Nuremberg Trials of 1945 were military tribunals with legal authority holding accountable Nazi officials and German businessmen for waging wars of aggression, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. Subsequent tribunals in Rwanda, Serbia, and Argentina have held government officials accountable. These legal tribunals were initiated by the government or governments of nations with the power to carry out sentences of prison or, at times, execution. However, what happens when a government refuses to act in response to war crimes? Or worse, is complicit? What can the citizenry do? People's tribunals are initiated by the swelling anger and frustration of citizens who wish to hold accountable those individuals responsible for egregious and evil acts of behavior perpetrated on a national or global scale. What these people's tribunals lack in legal authority is made up by the power of a citizenry roused to moral action. These tribunals speak for the individual conscience, not the corporate conglomerate. Their power comes not from a few lawyers or elected officials, but from the masses. They are the democratization of the courts when the courts have been captured by the criminals. People's tribunals are not created by vigilantes, but by victims, not by countries, but by its citizens. A people's tribunal is grassroots justice. It seeks truth, accountability, reconciliation, and remedy. The United States wars on terror have killed, directly and indirectly, an estimated 6 million people in the last 20 years. They have rendered some 7 million children subject to malnutrition and starvation. The cost to the United States taxpayer is estimated to be between $8 and $16 trillion. Weapons manufacturers have reaped the greatest share of this public largesse. The Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal has charged four United States corporations with war crimes and crimes against humanity. They are Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing, and General Atomics. These four corporations are representative of the United States war industry and its criminal acts in fomenting needless war against civilian populations. Specifically, this People's Tribunal has charged these four defendants with aiding and abetting the United States government in the commission of war crimes and crimes against humanity by knowingly producing and selling weapons that result in the deaths of not only combatants, but of non-combatants, of civilians. And they do so for profit. They are modern-day merchants of death. On November 10, 2022, members of this tribunal hand-delivered subpoenas to Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, and General Atomics in the Washington, D.C. area. 
requesting that they produce documentation specifically outlined in the subpoena, which would either exonerate them or incriminate them. They had 90 days to respond to the tribunal's subpoenas. Each of the four corporations failed to respond. On February 14, 2023, this tribunal issued and delivered contempt citations to the four defendants for failing to respond to the subpoenas. While this tribunal holds the four defendants in contempt, these four defendants have long held the United States citizens and innocents of the world in contempt. Their malicious disregard for human life, their lack of any moral compass, their inhumanity in the pursuit of profit can no longer continue. This tribunal calls them to give account. In the coming weeks, the tribunal will present evidence proving that the four defendants have used their corporate influence to commandeer the halls of Congress through bribery, co-opt our governing systems, deplete our national treasury, and lead us into perpetual war. Retired military officials, victims, military analysts, scholars, doctors, theologians, and lawyers all will give testimony, proving that Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing, and General Atomics knew their products were being used to kill large numbers of civilians, and yet they not only continued to make and sell these products, but they created an atmosphere in the halls of our government where war became inevitable. They did this for money. Trillions of dollars flowed from the U.S. Treasury to the silk-lined pockets of these corporate war makers. American citizens suffered the loss of their national wealth. Civilian populations in foreign lands suffered the loss of uncounted loved ones. The decimation of their cities, the fragmentation and economic exploitation of their countries. These four corporate defendants have immense power and influence. But we, the citizens of the world, are a force more powerful. We call this tribunal to order. Come, war profiteers, give account. Let the truth set us free. At this point, Kathy Kelly introduced the 11 jurors an international collection of activists, academics, diplomats, and more. Uh, you can see all of them and their uh, bios at the website, merchantsofdeath.org. But I can share three names familiar to Veterans for Peace, and they are Marjorie Cohn, Colonel Ann Wright, and former Marine and State Department official Matt O. Uh, so with that, let's get back to the tribunal. This is Nick Modern. Our primary inspiration for the Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunals was a series of Nuremberg war crimes trials of German weapons makers in 1947, two years after the end of World War II. United States prosecutors charged 42 officials of three of Germany's largest war industrial firms, Krupp, IG Farben, and Flick with a variety of war crimes and crimes against humanity. 27 of these officials were sent to prison. This was the first time in human history that profit-making corporate war industrialists were held legally accountable for participating in war crimes. This historic moment began in 1944 and 1945 with the Allied liberation of Nazi concentration camps. 
The people of the world were exposed to the black and white photographs of masses of horribly abused, emaciated fellow human beings and the photos of piles of human corpses, the mass atrocities of the Nazi government, including the killing of six million Jews, ignited a flash of truth-telling lightning into the shadowy, profoundly corrupt relationships between German corporate bosses and the Nazi politicians and military leaders whom they supported. Through Nuremberg, the world learned that Gustav Krupp and officials of extermination gas maker IG Farben were among 25 German corporate officials who together in 1933 provided about $30 million to bail out Adolf Hitler's Nazi party, enabling the ascendancy of the Nazi dictatorship. The Brennan Center for Justice reports, Hitler addressed the group saying, private enterprise cannot be maintained in a democracy. Hitler asked for their financial support and to back his vision for Germany. Without Krupp, Farben officials, and the others, World War II and the Holocaust very probably never would have happened. But the moment of global outrage in 1944 and 45, however extraordinary, was brief. The international law scholar Kresge Bars reports in an extremely insightful study that by 1947, the United States government wanted to rehabilitate German corporations so that they could be part of US-led global capitalism. US prosecutors and judges at Nuremberg were pushed to go lightly with the German war industrialists. Possibly the most important charge against the industrialist in terms of sending a message to all weapons makers was the charge of planning and waging wars of aggression. This charge was filed against Gustav Krupp and his son Alfred, who took control of the Krupp industries in 1943 during the war. Gustav, although indicted, did not stand trial because of illness. The charge of planning and waging aggressive war was also made against IG Farben officials. But under US government pressure, the aggressive war charge made against the Krupps was dropped and the Farben officials were acquitted of the charge. Jail sentences were imposed primarily for slave enforcing slavery and theft of property from other countries. In 1951, most of those convicted had served their sentences and the U.S. High Commissioner in Germany released Alfred Krupp from prison and restored his properties to him. By 1952, portions of IG Farben were producing materials for the U.S. to use in its colonial war in Korea. Below the surface, Dr. Bars writes, a deeper U.S. need can be discerned, the need to reassure American industrialists that the production for Korea and for other potentially aggressive wars would not lead to their prosecution. By 1957, Alfred Krupp was on the cover of the prominent pro-corporate U.S. magazine, Time. Inside was a long article glorifying Krupp as the ruler and sole owner of Germany's $1 billion Krupp industrial empire. Krupp told his friends, 
with half-concealed amusement at the time, that the U.S. and Britain wanted Krupp to produce weapons to help build the military power of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. Our moment today is much like the starkly illuminating moment of 1944 and 1945, in which we are stunned and horrified to witness the day-by-day mass murder, terrorizing, and immiseration of more than two and a half million Palestinians by the government of Israel, 10 times the number of people killed in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. In our roles as prosecutors of the Merchants of Death Tribunal, we have gathered evidence showing that what is happening to the Palestinian people now is highly, a highly concentrated form of what has been happening to millions of poor people of color since 9-11. They have died lost family members and means of support, seeing their domestic lives and cultures destroyed in the so-called war on terror. That has been a war of colonial conquest and plunder. Our work is to show also how the leaders of the most important U.S. weapons makers, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, RTX Raytheon, and the killer drone maker General Atomics have enabled U.S. wars since 9-11 and have been accomplices to war crimes resulting from these wars. And our role is to ask not only whether profit-making from weapons production should be permitted, but more, whether humanity can any longer tolerate war and repression as acceptable ways of deciding who shall have access to and benefit from Earth's resources. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. This tribunal had originally planned to present its evidence chronologically, beginning with the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan and then proceeding to Iraq and subsequent countries. However, recent events in Gaza compelled us to change that schedule and be responsive to the immense suffering now happening in that area. The occupied territories of Palestine were always a focus of this tribunal, and we had selected Operation Cast Lead as one egregious example to highlight of the complicity of U.S. weapons makers committing war crimes in Gaza. Operation Cast Lead must be viewed as part of a long process of Israeli war crimes funded by United States tax dollars and facilitated by United States weapons makers. Without the merchants of death, these war crimes could not occur. This past Monday, November 6th, this tribunal asked U.S. Air Force veteran and war industry expert Christian Sorensen to speak with us again about what is happening in Gaza these past weeks, and specifically the weapons the United States is providing to the Israelis, weapons they are currently using against Palestinian civilians. Christian just published a map of weapons contractors located all across the United States, detailing what weapon systems they are working on. We have a 10-minute video update from Christian, which will be immediately followed by our main evidentiary video tonight, Operation Cast Lead. They document the savagery of war and the complicity of the four defendants in these wars. Thank you. My name is Christian Sorensen. It is November 6th. 2023. The title of my presentation today is U.S. Industry Sales to Israel Since Operation Cast Lead of Winter 2008-2009. 
I just want to emphasize that he said 2008, 2009. So this has happened before. Castellet is known as the Gaza Massacre by Palestinians. Sales have been comprehensive. Israel's purchases from U.S. military industry are largely subsidized by the U.S. taxpayer. The U.S. government gives the Israeli government roughly $3.8 billion a year, and Israel uses much of that money to buy from U.S. industry. The U.S. government stresses FMS is, quote, a fundamental tool of U.S. foreign policy. U.S. sales to Israel have been comprehensive, covering land, air, ordnance, training, and more. Today's presentation gives a representative example. Attack helicopters. Boeing AH-64, quote, Apache attack helicopter. Services package will enhance Apache sustainment capabilities for the Israeli Air Force. Fighter attack jets. It's an attack jet because it's allowed to, it's capable of dropping bombs. Israel's primary jets are the Lockheed Martin F-35 fighter jet featuring RTX Pratt & Whitney engines and Lockheed Martin F-16 fighter jets featuring RTX Pratt & Whitney engines. RTX is in the middle of a 15-year contract with the Israeli military to maintain these engines and the engines on the Boeing F-15. Cargo aircraft move troops and weaponry. Lockheed Martin C-130 cargo aircraft the Israeli military uses. Rolls-Royce engines power these C-130 cargo aircraft. And DCS Corporation of Alexandria, Virginia has sold mission planning software maintenance and upgrades. And that software is used for aerial refueling, and cargo aircraft. In terms of helicopters that move troops and weaponry, there is the Lockheed Martin Sikorsky CH-53 cargo helicopter featuring GE, General Electric, engines. Israel cannot get troops and weaponry in position around Gaza without these aircraft. Lockheed Martin's own website says it is, quote, proud of the significant role it has fulfilled in, and here are the public relations terms, the security of the state of Israel. Significant role. Ordnance. Ordnance are things that explode. Boeing. Boeing Joint Direct Attack Munitions, JDAM. Boeing Small Diameter Bombs, SDB. Israel has received over 12,400 JDAM since 2009, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, SIPRI. So Boeing makes JDAM kits, which guide bombs onto target, and Boeing also makes the GBU-39 Small Diameter Bombs, according to the U.S. Air Force fact sheet. Israel has received over 8,500 SDB since 2010, according to CIPRI's armed transfer database. Boeing makes bombs. Who knew? One example of the many airstrikes on Gaza using U.S. weaponry. The airstrikes 31 October 2023 against the Jabalia refugee camp in Gaza. The Guardian analyzed strikes and consulted weapons experts. They indicated that the Israelis had used multiple JDAM. Mark Garlasco is former Pentagon chief of high-value targeting during the Iraq war. He pointed to JDAM. He also said, quote, JDAMs will burrow through the ground and have a delayed detonation, causing the building to collapse on itself. This explains the extent of the damage. Chris Cobb-Smith is a former UN weapons inspector. He also pointed to JDAM. The Guardian noted, quote, the Israeli Air Force recently posted images on X, formerly known as Twitter, of dozens of JDAM GBU-31 being loaded onto planes. Jabalia, for, con- for context, is one of the most densely populated parts of Gaza, and Gaza itself is one of the most densely populated parts of the world. The United Nations established this camp in 1948 for Palestinians who were kicked out of their homes by people using violence to create the state of Israel in Palestine. 
Lockheed Martin and RTX make payway guidance kits, according to U.S. military contracting announcements and corporate press releases. Paveway kits guide bombs onto targets. Israel received 700 paveway during 2018-2019, according to the CIPRI Arms Transfer Database. These surface-to-surface rockets are used to attack from far away. Lockheed Martin Hellfire AGM-114 air-to-ground missiles Israel has in its arsenal. The Times of Israel reported in September 2014. Land vehicles provide mobility, move troops. Oshkosh defense medium tactical vehicles, parts and training. Oshkosh has sold these to the Israelis, according to foreign military sales, military contracting announcements. These vehicles are used to resupply and transport troops. MDT armor, armored vehicles, have also been purchased by the Israelis. And products for armored personnel carriers, such as diesel engineering engines and transmission kits, and power packs from Rolls-Royce. Further mobility is provided by Goodyear tires, BP gasoline, Petromax aviation fuel, and Valero aviation fuel, all those according to U.S. military contracting announcements. Let's recap. U.S. industry sells Israel weapons and technology for use in the air, on the ground, and to take life and destroy infrastructure. U.S. industry has also sold training, pilot training from the National Test Pilot School, Mojave, California. Pilot training from Flight Safety International, Columbus, Ohio. That on Gulfstream jets, which Israel uses to gather information from the air on Palestinians and on neighboring Arab countries. And GE has sold uh, help maintaining aircraft systems. GE makes aircraft engines. Construction. Corporations contract with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to design and build infrastructure for the Israeli military. Notable recent examples include facilities above ground, below ground, upgrades to fuel stations for the Israeli military, new concrete, a solar power plant in an Israeli military base, etc., etc. U.S. industry has also sold vision and communications gear, FLIR systems, weapon sites, and training for the vision. Those sites go on to small arms, such as rifles, things you can hold in your hand. And data link solutions, communications gear. Data link solutions is a joint venture between RTX, formerly known as Raytheon Technologies, and BAE Systems. What does leadership have to say? Well, there's something called the Leahy Law on the books in U.S. legal code. The Leahy Law states the U.S. government cannot transfer or furnish military equipment or technology to governments that seriously violate human rights. Okay? Josh Paul is former director, Office of Congressional and Public Affairs, State Department, Bureau of Political Military Affairs. Paul says, quote, there is a Leahy vetting process for Israel. It has never found an Israeli unit to be guilty of gross violations of human rights gross violation of human rights. It is a broken system. Paul resigned mid-October of this year, 2023, in protest of the U.S. government's unconditional support for Israel as Israel uses U.S. weaponry to attack civilians in Gaza. Craig Mulchaber was director of the New York office for the U.N. High Commissioner for Human Rights. He resigned 28 October of this year. Quote, in his resignation letter, quote, Once again, we are seeing a genocide unfolding before our eyes, and the organization we serve appears powerless to stop it. This is a textbook case of genocide. His words, a textbook case of genocide. He points to the United States, UK, and much of Europe as not just, quote, refusing to meet their treaty obligations, end quote, under the Geneva Conventions, but also arming Israel and providing diplomatic backing for the unfolding genocide in Gaza. On November 5th, The U.N. Refugee Agency issued a statement with other NGOs 
statement by the principals of the Interagency Standing Committee on the situation in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. Quote, we need an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. They note that more than 100 attacks against health care have been reported. They note scores of AIDS workers have been killed since October 7th, including 88 UNRWA colleagues, the highest number of UN fatalities ever recorded in a single conflict. Top corporate executives see profit in Israeli military activity. RTX's chief executive recently acknowledged that his corporation stood to, quote, benefit from the increase in military funding, as reported by Business Insider on 24 October 2023. Journalist Matthew Galt reported, quote, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and RTX all mentioned the potential business opportunities of the Israel-Hamas war on earnings calls this week. That was the week of 26 October. Stocks of weapon makers jumped seven percentage points right after the hostilities kicked off on 7 October 2023. CNN's Nicole Goodkind reported on 18 October 2023. General Dynamics Chief Financial Officer on the corporation's 25 October earnings call said, quote, but I think if you look at the incremental demand potential coming out of that, the biggest one to highlight, and that really sticks out, is probably on the artillery side. General Dynamics makes a lot of artillery, particularly 155 millimeter shells. The head of aerospace and defense equity research at Morgan Stanley pointed out on RTX's 24 October 2023 earnings call, quote, looking at the White House's $106 billion supplemental funding request, you've got equipment for Ukraine, air and missile defense for Israel, and replenishment of stockpiles for both. And this seems to fit quite nicely with the Raytheon defense portfolio. Thank you for your time. That was Christian Sorensen with a report on all the weaponry that Israel buys with our approval and our tax dollars from our weapons manufacturers. Now we will hear about Israeli Operation Cast Lead. When the Israeli Armed Forces launched their offensive called Operation Cast Lead in December of 2008, Israel, it must be noted, has historically been the largest recipient of U.S. military aid and U.S. weapons. Without U.S.-made weapons, Israeli attacks on civilian sites in Palestine could not occur with such frequency and with such cruelty. On December 27, 2008, the Israeli military deployed its Navy, Air Force, and Army against the people living in Gaza. It lasted from December 27, 2008 to January 18, 2009. The Israeli offensive began with a week-long air attack using U.S.-made F-16 fighter jets and AH-64 Apache attack helicopters, striking numerous civilian buildings such as Gaza government offices, homes, hospitals, and 24 police stations. The Army was responsible for the ground invasion, which began on January 3, 2009. The assault injured over 5,300 people and killed 1,383 Palestinians, of whom 333 were children. According to the UN's fact-finding mission to the Gaza conflict, missiles fired from Apache helicopters targeted civilians and civilian infrastructure on numerous occasions over the course of the assault. 
Amnesty International documented the use of Hellfire missiles to kill children and medical staff in Gaza. According to Amnesty International, there is evidence that Israel used dime weapons during Operation Cast Lead, which are dense, inert metal explosives carried by Hellfire missiles. They have enormous energy and release micro-shrapnel particles, killing and injuring large numbers of people nearby. In addition to using dime weapons, Israel was also found to have been illegally using white phosphorus on civilians, a jellied munition similar to napalm, which burns human flesh to the bone. The Israeli armed forces launched numerous attacks against buildings and persons of the Gaza authorities, including the Palestinian Legislative Council building and the Gaza main prison. Both buildings were destroyed and could no longer be used. The United Nations mission found that the attacks on those buildings constituted deliberate attacks on civilian objects in violation of the rule of international humanitarian law, whereby attacks must be strictly limited to military objectives. The United Nations mission examined the attacks against six police facilities, four of them during the first minutes of the military operations on December 27, 2008, resulting in the death of 99 Palestinian policemen and nine members of the public. The policemen were deliberately targeted and killed on the ground that the police are, in the eyes of Israel, part of the Palestinian military forces in Gaza. Operation Cast Lead is just one example of the U.S and U.S. weapons manufacturers supplying billions of dollars in weapons to the Israeli armed forces, which then uses them in violation of international and humanitarian law against civilian populations in Gaza. The result is enormous profit for Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, and General Atomics, and death and destruction for the suffering people of Gaza. The four defendants in this tribunal know the result of their weapon sales to Israel, since those atrocities are covered routinely in the media and are outlined by human rights groups, as we have just discussed. This tribunal interviewed retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and Professor of History William Astore. Here is what he had to say about whether weapons manufacturers knew their products killed innocent people. And do you believe that the weapons manufacturers are aware that the products they produce are killing non-combatants? Yeah, I mean, you, you would, you'd have to be blind uh, if, if, you know, not to know that. In fact, I would go further. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of, of being in the military uh, is that um, you see a lot of footage. You know, we would see, you know, camera footage of, of Hellfire missiles or other, you know, guided missiles uh, hitting targets. Uh, and, you, you know, you see, you know, people just being blown up on the screen. Of course, it was typically infrared. I mean, you, you it, it wasn't visceral, uh, which made it worse. It made it more like a video game, right? But uh, I think there's a lot of videos available on, on YouTube, you know, showing, you know, uh, American attacks using various missiles and guns from AC-130 gunships and so, so, so on, 
Uh, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of a lot of people see this stuff. Uh, it's sort of like, I guess you call it war porn in a way, uh, and and they get excited by it. Uh, it. It's like we see it as a video game, and and we see it as wiping out the other, you know, the enemy, the other. We don't see them as as human beings. It's one of the great weaknesses of human nature, I guess. The, under the force of indoctrination and propaganda and fear and all the rest, that we watch this stuff uh, and we develop these weapons, you know, to kill without thinking of the victims as people who are who are just like us. For years, Israel has been the top recipient of U.S. military and economic assistance. The most commonly cited figure is three billion dollars per year. Israel is so devoted to U.S. military hardware, it now has the world's largest fleet of F-16s outside the United States, currently possessing more than 200 of these fighter jets. Another 102 F-16s are on order. U.S. military aid has helped transform Israel's armed forces into one of the most technologically sophisticated militaries in the world. Lockheed Martin's presence in Israel dates back to the early 1990s. Lockheed Martin Corporation is the world's largest defense contractor by sales volume. And in April 2014, it was announced that they would be forming a new technology-based partnership and subsidiary based in Israel. The Israeli subsidiary known as Lockheed Martin Israel Limited registered with the Israeli Corporation's Authority in August of 2014 and became primarily concerned with cybersecurity issues, information technology, data analytics, and cloud storage. In addition to this collaboration, Lockheed also sells military equipment to Israel, including the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter Jet and the C-130 military transport airplane. Israel and U.S. weapons manufacturer Raytheon jointly developed a GPS-guided mortar in the wake of the 2006 Lebanon War, which went into production in Israel in 2008. Israel acknowledged using them in a January 6, 2009 strike that killed 43 Palestinians outside a United Nations school used as a shelter. The Israeli Defense Forces also admitted to using white phosphorus shells in that same attack on the school. Amnesty International found remnants of air-delivered munitions ranging from 20-millimeter cannon and Hellfire missiles fired from helicopters and unmanned drones to large fragments of laser-guided and other bombs dropped from F-16 warplanes, as well as pieces of rocket mortars, circuit boards, and other electrical components of the missiles. Fragments from these bombardments are all over Gaza. On the streets, in school playgrounds, in hospitals, and in people's homes. Fragments from one 500-pound bomb contain the inscription for use on MK-82 fin-guided bomb, with traceable markings indicating that the fin was produced by Raytheon. 
In its frequent military offensives against Gaza, the Israeli military uses Raytheon's 5,000-pound GBU-28 bunker buster bomb and laser-guided paveway bombs made by Lockheed Martin, as well as AGM-65 Maverick air-to-ground missiles made by Raytheon, the AIM-9X missiles made by Raytheon, and the AIM Sidewinder missiles also made by defendant Raytheon. These missiles and bombs are typically fired or dropped by the Israeli Air Force's F-16 and F-35 fighter jets. Even after the start of Operation Cast Lead and reports of serious violations of international humanitarian law by the Israeli Defense Forces in Gaza, the U.S. authorities continued to authorize large consignments of U.S. weapons to Israel, including white phosphorus munitions. Since the United States government and its co-conspirators in the U.S. weapons industry, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and General Atomics, among others, will not stop the slaughter of innocents, it is up to the citizenry to both envision and to enact a new world based on mutual respect for nations and for people, an understanding of our limited resources which must be shared, and a recognition of the limited time we have left in which to accomplish these goals. As citizens, we must demand peace. We must live it each day, bring it to fruition, or the consequences are dire for us and all the world. Whether war crimes are committed in Gaza or Iraq, Afghanistan or Somalia, or anywhere else in the world, the perpetrators must be held accountable. The crimes committed in Operation Cast Lead have exploded into the crimes occurring today. It's part of a systematic process, which we intend to shine a light on and hold accountable the actors. We seek to create a community informed with the facts and committed to taking nonviolent action. Please look for our emails this week containing links, not just to tonight's recording, but also to the next video segments of this tribunal. Again, share these videos with everyone you know. Each video will be approximately 30 minutes in length. And join us for our meetup sessions, the first one occurring on Sunday, December 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. So we just finished listening to that abridged version. You can get the whole thing, and you can sign up for future tribunals at merchantsofdeath.org. You can sign up and participate. The, the, the one last Sunday had 1,700 people register, wow. and, and I did see that they had at least at least 570 people on the Zoom, which, you know, a lot of people register and then forget or don't show up or just register for the sake of getting the recording <laughs> later on. They expect this to go on something like four months. Is that right? Yeah, four months. Wow. They've got a lot of evidence to go through, I'm sure. A but... lot of evidence of our U.S. corporations being merchants of death and enjoying it well we're we're at the end of the show so we need a song
And I was thinking about Bob Dylan's I'm your masters of war Here that build the big guns Here that build the death planes Here that build all the bombs Here that hide behind walls Here that hide behind discs I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks You that never done nothing But built to destroy You play with my world Like it's your little toy You put a gun in my hand And you hide from my eyes And you turn and run farther When the fast bullets fly Like Judas of old You lie and deceive A world war can be won You want me to believe But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain Like I see through the water that runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you sit back and watch When the death count gets higher You hide in your mansion While the young people's blood Flows out of their bodies And is buried in the mud He's thrown the worst fear That can ever be hurled Fear to bring children Into the world For threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins How much do I know To talk out of turn You must say that I'm young You might say I'm unlearned But there's a one thing I know I'm younger than you That even Jesus would never forgive what you do Let me ask you one question Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find When your death takes its toll All the money you made will never buy back your soul And I hope that you die 
And your death will come soon I follow your casket By the pale afternoon And I watch while you lord Down to your deathbed And I stand over your grave Till I'm sure that you're dead 